Welcome to the Mousecapades Podcast, the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears. And now, here are your hosts, Vicky and Kaylee. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicky, and I'm here with Kaylee and Josiah. We are so happy you're joining us, and we hope that you are all safe, happy, and healthy, and following the regulations wherever you may live. This is episode 535, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about things that are gone but not forgotten from Disney. This will be a two-part episode because when we began researching it, we realized how many things are no longer a part of Disney. Some of these things we were able to experience and some we didn't, but we want to be able to walk back through Disney's memory lane with our Ohana. Before we get started, we need to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. There are many things that have been reimagined or completely redone at Disney. We all know that. And this was something that Walt had dreamt about, and he always wanted people to be innovative and think of new ways to grow things with the times. And so, although we usually love the changes, that doesn't mean that we don't remember the things that we loved fondly. So we're going to take a walk down Disney's memory lane. To get things started, we're going to talk about the submarine voyage. This was a part of Tomorrowland Disneyland from 19... 59 to 1998. They weren't actually submarines and they didn't actually submerge, but the ride made you feel like it did. The captain of the ride brought the guests through a shipwreck graveyard, the North Pole, and Atlantis. The guests were never alone because they were passed by mermaids, unusual glowing fish, and a sea serpent. The ride is now known as the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage. The new ride still follows the original path that the submarine voyage did. I think it's good that they redid it to fit things that kids would know now. Not that like it wouldn't have been cool, but it's much cooler to see characters, you know, in a ride. There used to be a submarine ride, and I know Nick and Dye, if he's listening, uh, that was at Silver Dollar City, and it went away. They called it the dinghy, I think, or something crazy like that. <laughs> but I remember that we loved that ride, and we really thought we were submerged all those years, and come to find out later, we really weren't. It was all in our heads. Our next gone but not forgotten attraction or ride, I suppose, is the mine train through nature's wonderland from Frontierland in Disneyland. That was a lot of lands. This was there from 1960 to 1977, a much shorter time frame than the previous. This ride was inspired by Disney's real-life nature movies of the 1950s. The train ride offered views of waterfalls, cacti, geysers, and bubbling pots of mud. It was also surrounded by 200 animated animals like bobcats, beavers, and bears. This ride made every guest feel like they were a part of nature. And a secret about this ride is that if you were on the train around 8.50 p.m., the train would stop at the living desert. The guests would have the best view of the fireworks of any place in the park. Thrill rides were much wanted, so this ride was closed to make way for Big Thunder Mountain. Which make me a little made me a little sad because I know how much you love fireworks, Kaylee, that you would have been on that ride if you could have, so that you could have the most awesome spot to watch fireworks. You're right. But because we're spoiled in 2020 with really good fireworks and all the technology that Disney has, I feel like seeing fireworks in 1960 through 1977 probably would not be as spectacular as now. True. 
you're always seeking that perfect spot. She now has her perfect spot at the Magic Kingdom. She knows where... I won't tell anybody where it is. No, we're not telling where it is. But she likes to watch the fireworks show whenever it will return. I'm a small person, people. <laughs> For an adult, I'm small. So please be courteous if you're standing in front of me. Don't put your children on your you're shoulders. You're over 5'2". That's pretty small. No, I'm just saying. The next one that we're going to talk about is something that I wished was there when I first went to Disney World, and that is the Skyway in Fantasyland and Tomorrowland of Magic Kingdom. And it was there from 1971 to 1999, so it was clearly gone 10 years before we ever even arrived to Disney World. It was an original ride to the park opening. It was a gondola ride that transported the guests to another world, literally. It was a quick way to get from Fantasyland to Tomorrowland and vice versa. And the guests would enjoy a view of the lagoon and the other attractions along the way. The Skyway was built by Von Roll of Bern, Switzerland. He had built it for several amusement parks through the years. A cast member died after an accident in 1999. And so Disney decided that the risk was just too great and closed the ride. It is like if you look at it today for safety standards, especially for like now, it looks very unsafe to ride. Like it's Obviously, the ones we have now, the Skyliner is different and it's safe and you're enclosed and the windows open a little, but theirs was just literally like a cart for a Ferris wheel with like open sides. It was very scary looking. I, I just feel like then, no offense to anybody, so please don't take this personally, anybody that I'm saying this, because most people that listen to us now weren't alive back then. Some people, but not many. When rules were told, people did it. So if they told you to sit down, you sat down. And now I feel like as a society as a whole, we test those boundaries. And we're like, if I want to stand up, I'm going to stand up. Or if I want to hang over and take a picture, I'm going to hang over and take a picture. And so, I mean, we see that on roller coasters, which is why they are always saying, we'll stop the ride, we'll stop the ride. Or in Haunted Mansion, when they say they'll stop the ride. So I feel like this was a good choice, especially with how many lawsuits could go into action. True. Next is the Skyway in Disneyland. This was open from 1956 to 1994. It also carried guests from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland and vice versa. There were views of Storybook Land, Captain Hook's pirate ship, along with a nice breeze and many other things to view inside the park. When the Matterhorn opened in 1959, the cables ran directly between two large openings on either side of the mountain. It also served as the center support tower for the cables. In 1965, new buckets were designed. The rectangular buckets replaced the round original ones because they wanted the buckets to hold four guests rather than two. These buckets could really only handle a little bit more weight. Some speculated that the ride closed because a man jumped to his death, but Disney said over time that the added weight had just put too much strain on the cables. This caused metal fatigue and stress cracks to the Matterhorn. Guests hoped that they would turn the chalets into something. It wasn't until 21 years later that Bob Iger would announce that this area would be cleared for the new Star Wars land, Galaxy's Edge. I don't know about you guys, but 21 years those just sat there. So I'm hoping that they at least just sat there and grass was trimmed and weeds and it didn't grow up over there. I, that's what I was picturing in my mind when I was thinking about this, is that they just let it sit there for 21 years. But uh, we all know that Star Wars Land was a good move on Disney's part because there are so many Star Wars fans for sure. True, a good financial move. Our next attraction would be Snow White's Adventure. This was at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World from 1971 to 2012 when it was reimagined into the meet and greet location of the princesses. 
It was an original ride to the Magic Kingdom, and guests didn't realize what they were getting themselves into when they rode this ride. It had the guests experience it as if they were Snow White, including the evil queen trying to kill Snow White, which made Disney add the word scary to the title of the ride, making it Snow White Scary Adventure. So guests had a better idea of what the ride was about. Well, if you've seen Snow White, you know the adventure's scary. Like, this sounds so much fun. It was a good ride. Like, I'm very sad that it's not there. It was just you sat in a cart, you went around, and they had animatronics. Um, But, yeah, I see why they changed it, but it is sad. I think Disney could use a little scariness in some of the rides. You're right. It could be fun. Well, they used to have the ride Alien, where Stitch's Great Escape was. That was pretty scary from what I knew. Because Alien's not a... Oh, no, Stitch's Great Escape. That's a little... He goes a little crazy. Sorry. We'll get to that. But I guess my thing... Well, one thing is, I think it was cool they used the, like, Evil Queen. I was telling Dad this the other day. They used the Evil Queen animatronic, and she sits in a window above it, above the princess's thing. And, like, every, like, 60 seconds or something, the window's open, and she, like, peers out, like, at guests. It's supposed to be a tribute to the old ride. I like that. But I never... We're always moving at Disney. We don't really ever stop. (laughs) <laughs> I guess. That's why I was saying that. I think it would be fun to go right now. Yeah. Because we were just talking about this the other day that I think it'd be really fun to be at Disney right now to just take the time because there's not as many things to do right yeah. now. Take the time to just, to just look, look around at all the details. And yeah, stuff. that would be cool. A detailed trip to Disney. Imagine that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That would be very cool. In fact, um, after getting ready for this episode, I kind of feel like there was time travel so that we could go back to ride some of these rides and see some of the things that were there that we didn't have the opportunity to visit with. And the next one is World of Motion, which was an original ride to Epcot. It was there from 1982 to 1996. Uh, it was sponsored by General Motors and took guests on a time travel journey. How funny that I would ask to be in time travel. Of the history of transportation, it talked about man's failures and their triumphs in designing new vehicles, the age of flight, the horseless carriage, as well as the transportation trends or culture latched onto like the bicycle, the family vacation and a Sunday drive, which um, if you've no- you don't know what a Sunday drive is, if you've ever been behind somebody that's driving lower than the speed limit, that's what we call a Sunday drive because it's somebody out looking around, not really going any place special, just there for the view. And I feel like a lot of people are taking Sunday drives right now. This ride was replaced by Test Track, which is very popular. Uh, The guests design a vehicle and then they drive it on the track and it's tested for its speed and its safety. I like, I listeners don't throw anything at your radio or whatever you're listening to us on, but I like Test Track, but I think it could be tweaked to be an even better ride for what's going on right now. Although the lines are still really long. So obviously people disagree with me. I know I really like Test Track. I really don't know why, but I absolutely love it. And last time I was at Disney with you guys, I know Joey and I went multiple times, just the two of us, because we wanted to go back on test track again and the lines weren't too bad so we were like why not i don't know i do like the ride but honestly it's not a if the line's long i'll be like all right not happening kind of thing for me it's not really where i'm devastated if i can't ride it maybe because i'm not saying it's not a fun ride but i feel like once you can drive it's less fun i don't know why that's a good point i think once you can drive test track is less fun Oh, we'll see how I feel next time I go. I was going to say, because the first, the two times you've gone with us, you didn't have a license. so That's an interesting thought. I don't know. Maybe some of the listeners agree, or maybe some of them are like, I'm 80 and I love that. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm really sad. Okay. So this next one is 
devastating. The Great Movie Ride. This was a part of MGM Hollywood Studios from 1989 to 2017. It was one of the largest Disney indoor rides in history. This ride took guests on a tour through classic movies like Wizard of Oz, Mary Poppins, Indiana Jones, Aliens, and Casablanca. The finale of the ride was a montage of movie clips with memorable scenes not just from Disney movies. Along the way, the ride took guests through a western scene and gets hijacked by a villain. The villain meets his demise during the ride, and this amazing ride was replaced by Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that opened before the pandemic. Now, I only got to go on this one time, and I absolutely loved it, and I thought it was so much fun, and it makes me really sad that they took it away, and I don't understand why, because this is one that I feel like they literally could have kept forever, and if they wanted to, they could update it some, but they could have kept it. And then, I know at this time, when I went on it, I still, I hadn't seen Casablanca. So then, once I, I saw it this past year, and it made me think of this ride, and made me really sad. So, bring it back, honestly. Get rid of the Runaway Railway. Bring back the great movie ride. I don't care how much money or how long it takes. Bring it back. Josiah's ready to fight. Oh my god. I honestly think they could bring it back in another way, but I think that if you've watched any of the YouTube videos, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to do that because... The new ride is cool. Yes. It looks amazing, and it's like 3D. I can't explain it. You need to watch the video like... I don't know if Kaylee can add more to it because I'm really bad at describing it, stuff like this. A lot of it is using 3D technology that's used in other Disney parks around the world, but really hasn't reached the same level in the American Disney parks. But this is like a taste of it. Like the technology is 3D. It's wild. The cartoons are wild. moving with you while you're on the ride on the walls and stuff. And it's just, it's like the cartoon comes to life while you're in it. You so become yeah, part of the But yes, cartoon. I do wish they had some form of this somewhere else and they talked about Ariel's undersea adventure the little show which I know your sisters love but that's closed right now because of the pandemic and there's talks of it not reopening and so that'd be cool if they use that space for something like that because it's big it's a theater so very true our next one Josiah here's some of your scary ride you were talking about that's also gone the extraterrestrial alien encounter was a part of Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando from 1995 to 2003 when we think of extraterrestrial we think of E.T. a cute creature that befriends a family however this ride was anything but friendly most of the attraction consisted of guests sitting in the dark as a visitor from another planet made its way through the crowd causing seats to rumble and feelings of the aliens breath and drool to hit the back of their necks. This ride was replaced by Stitch's Great Escape, which has now been closed as well. Well, listeners, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that Stitch's Great Escape was not my favorite ride, not because of Stitch. I love Stitch, but the ride itself, the, what do you think, call the thing that goes over the top of your head? The harness? Yeah, thank you. The harness, when it came over you, you needed to put your hands on your shoulders when it was coming down because if you didn't, it came all the way to your shoulders. We figured that out though. Like once you figured that out, it was a pretty good tip. But if it was your first time riding it. Yes, the first time hurt. It, <laughs> it hurt was painful. Really, really badly. And I mean, many people had said that. So I was surprised that they didn't like push in it more or something or at night have somebody do something to make it better so that people weren't saying my shoulders hurt from this ride. Because when you come out of a ride, you want to be excited. You don't want to be talking about how your shoulders are hurting. Yeah. And I love Stitch, but like I kind of wish that I could have seen the alien version. Like that would have been cool to see it. This alien encounter makes me think of the Bugs Life show. And how the bugs go under your butt yeah. and then it, they like spit at you and stuff. And I remember the first time we went, 
wasn't it? I think it was the first time. Yeah. That my youngest sister, Sophia, I... At the time, I was young, okay, people? So I was a little brat brother, and I scared her, and I said, okay, just so you know, Sophia, and she was like, oh my gosh, she was probably like six. I said, okay, the bugs are going to go under your butt, and she was terrified for the whole time, and she hated it. So didn't I tell you, though, to like, I think we gave you the warning of like, at the end of the show, you could sit up like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you could kind of hover on your seat. If you're a lady, you know how to hover because public bathrooms. But like, if you're a man, you don't. So you just like lift yourself up for a second <laughs> just so you don't get poked. I hated that part. So I would do that. I enjoy the bug's life attraction. But yeah, I wish I could have seen it as alien. That would have been cool. You can always watch it on YouTube. Not the, Not same. the same. I knew that was coming. So next up is Ellen's Energy Adventure, which was at Epcot in Orlando from 1996 to 2017. So it's not been gone as long as some of these other brides that we've been talking about so far or uh, attractions. It was a humorous yet educational ride, which made it great for families. In the ride, Ellen DeGeneres falls asleep watching Jeopardy and the guests are a part of the show and Ellen is a contestant on the show. She soon realizes that the category she chose is all about energy, which she doesn't know much about. And lucky for Ellen, her friend, Bill Nye the Science Guy, takes her on a time-traveling adventure through the history of energy, and the guests get to come along for the ride. The guests could encounter an array of prehistoric creatures and discover how fossil fuels were formed. They could smell prehistoric swamps, narrowly escape streams of molten lava from an erupting volcano, and see if they could spot an embattled Ellen amidst the primordial pandemonium. The ride was closed to make way for the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is really far underway now because... They've yeah. been showing it on YouTube if you haven't had a chance to look at it. And um, I think that it will be a good move for Epcot because they were really, when we were doing our fast passes, I know those are not a thing right now, but when we were doing them, we didn't necessarily need three fast passes because most of the rides we want are in tier one and you only get to pick one. So I wish there was a way to, to spread this out more evenly. I think what they're doing right now, of course, there's only 25% of the people in the park. They're getting to ride all those rides that are in tier one, which Frozen, Soren, and Test Track are the ones that are in the same tier as each other. When you get down to the other ones, most of them really don't have a line you can get into them. Like you could always get into Ellen's Adventure with a short wait, or you could always get into Figment. So, um, but yeah, I'm sad we never did Ellen because they took it away before we got a chance to ride it. But I always knew that people would go in there and take a nap. Like it was kind of just like the joke you go in there to sleep. But the Ellen animatronic apparently was very bad, like very bad. I saw pictures and it was just so poorly done. But like I wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah, that ride definitely does not seem thrilling. Thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Guardians of the Galaxy ride will be a good replacement. And I think that one will just be fun. Yeah, that's true. Up next, we have the one, the only, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. This was at the Magic Kingdom from 1971 to 1998. Guests would board this ride for a reckless joy ride to nowhere particular. This ride was based off the classic Disney cartoon, The Wind and the Willows. This attraction wasn't your typical dark ride. It was quicker, zanier, and a little scarier with tight turns, near misses, and simulated collisions. Guests boarded 1930s miniature motor cars and took a wild ride through the streets of London and the countryside, encountering different calamities along the way, concluding with a fateful crash with a locomotive. Guests who rode on the ride track began by rocketing through the library of Toad Hall, the barnyard, and then through the town plaza, where they nearly collided with the motor cars running on the left track. From there, the motor car zipped through a courtroom, a jailbreak, and then collided head-on with the train. 
The left track took guests through more of the Toad Hall before breaking out into the woods and into a gypsy camp. Next, the motor car drove through the town plaza where it passed cars on the right track before driving into Winky's Tavern. Once outside, the motor car drove into a railroad tunnel where it also collided with the train. Both tracks end up whisking the motor cars through a scene depicting hell complete with a cartoon, Demons and Satan. Not exactly a ride that you would expect in Fantasyland. This ride was closed to make way for the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Okay, so. That was a lot. I know. And sometimes I struggle with reading and I get all twisted up. But okay, so I enjoy the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But so my mom, this was her favorite ride. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. This was her favorite ride. And I remember the first time we went to Disney, which I was in like fourth grade or something. She thought like assumed it would still be there and she was so sad when it wasn't and so she was telling me all about it and I was like that's not fair I didn't get to go on it so this makes me really sad that it's not there anymore and like with the great movie ride I had been on it so I knew what I was not gonna get to see anymore but this one I just think sounds like so much fun and so different from everything else too. yeah did you ride this mom when you went in college I don't think I did because I think I would remember yeah that I would never put together. And, and I know that I read reports and stuff about people being upset about them having demons and Satan, I guess, because they don't want to think that that's real or because it's you you don't think of scary for Disney or whatever. But I know that's a lot like what Josiah said, a lot of people. Um, I don't know if you remember, we had listened to a Christian comedian and he was so excited to have a boy and take him to ride um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and got there and it was Winnie the Pooh. And he was huh. like, what? Winnie the Pooh is no comparison to Mr. Toad. Well, I guess not. Mr. T Mr. Toad talks about Satan and hell. And Winnie the Pooh is whimsical and everybody loves him and he's kind of carefree. <laughs> and so I guess he was a little disappointed. Discovery Island is next. And this was an island located on Bay Lake. It was at Disney World from 1974 to 1999. It was meant to be like Treasure Island where guests could observe Florida's wildlife. And in fact, it was first named Treasure Island. Guests would get to the island by boat. And once there, guests could watch lemurs, Galapagos turtles, exotic birds, and many more animals in their natural habitat. Trained guides were on hand to answer questions and provide information about the island's inhabitants. When the island was closed, all the birds and other creatures were sent to sanctuaries at Animal Kingdom. Disney never revealed while they closed why they closed Discovery Island, but poor attendance and high maintenance costs, combined with the newer and bigger Disney's Animal Kingdom being opened a year before, are the most likely causes. Since its closing, the island has sat largely abandoned with no signs of development. Interestingly, Animal Kingdom has a section called Discovery Island. This is also the island that a man was found living on during the pandemic. Ooh. Wild. Interesting. This this sounds really cool. And I think what's interesting with this is it's very educational because they have the guides that you can ask questions about, but it's in a more fun way. Like the Ellen's Ellen's ride about energy. I feel like the educational aspect is the whole focus. Yes. And this is done in a way that, oh my gosh, I'm seeing a real animal that I've never seen before. And then you can tell me about it. Yeah. And it's real life. And I think that's really cool. That's true. I think Bill Nye would have been the highlight of Ellen's ride for me. <laughs> but anyway. Well, honestly, I think that it wasn't necessary to have this once Animal Kingdom opened. That's true. Because Kilimanjaro Safaris does an amazing job of driving through the actual lands that the animals live in 
in their other respective continents. And so I feel like it wouldn't have been as visited. Now they can use that land for somewhere else. But also with the man living on the island, um, he said he didn't know it was private property or something. He had to get there by boat. So <laughs> nearby Discovery Island was River Country. It was the first water park at Walt Disney World, which opened in 1976. It was forced to close permanently in 2001. Located near the Discovery Island on Bay Lake, and it was a rustic wilderness-themed water park. And it was designed to resemble the old swimming hole with man-made boulders, rope swings, inner tube slides, and an area called Slippery Slide Falls, which contained chlorinated water, not lake water like the rest of the park. This breaks one of Brad's rules. No one should go swimming in non-chlorinated bodies of water. I've watched lots of videos on this because I just think it's very interesting. And I think it shows the difference in times because there is no way that a theme park could have lake water as something like yeah. for people to go in nowadays. And I, this really just grosses me out too and freaks me out because yeah. that is just, I don't know. Yeah, it's not preferred at all. As interesting as I think it would be to see this, I'm not upset that I didn't get to experience it. (laughs) Up next is Mickey's Toontown Fair, and this was at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando from 1988 to 2011. This area opened as Mickey's Birthday Land in 1988. What a history this delightful little town had. It became Mickey's Starland in 1990, and it was renamed to Mickey's Toyland for a brief period in 1995. After closing for some extensive refurbishment, it reopened in 1996 as Mickey's Toontown Fair. Then, in 2011, it was closed forever to make way for Dumbo's Storybook Circus, a new attraction area and part of the new Fantasyland expansion. Yeah, I don't think you ever got to see this, unless you went and saw it when you you were in fourth grade is that still even well i remember going to this like because we went the first two trips we took and it was cool looking like i understand why they changed it but at the same time it was cool to walk through that and i don't know i think it was a good change but i liked it the way it was too at least i know i do really like dumbo's storybook circus i think it's a lot yeah. of fun and they have really good soft pretzels which is a must. And honestly, that's what I'm remembering from it right now at this moment. Yeah. (laughs) They have Casey's Splash Pad. I'm not sure that you uh, enjoy that as much as like younger children would have enjoyed because we don't really like to get wet and sweaty all all at the same time and walk around the park. So that's probably why. How many names this had before it ended on East Toontown Fair? It's like they couldn't decide. But if you've never been there, it was really cool. I'll try to find our pictures from when we went in 2009 and in 2011 before it closed. It was a really cool. Like it had Mickey's house, Minnie's house. Wait, I did go to this. Okay. I was and like- I'm remembering now because I guess, honestly, maybe I've always enjoyed the technical sides of thing and all the little details because I remember when I went to this for the first time, I thought it was so cool and all the details they had in the houses. And this was the one that when we went back next time, I was so sad that it wasn't there because I thought the houses were so neat. Yes, I'm remembering this now. It's a tragedy that it's gone. (laughs) But your soft pretzels, you're revoking that statement. (laughs) I loved this area in the park. And I know that Kaylee was like, Mom, it's okay when it got close. And I was like devastated. I mean, I didn't have a funeral for it or anything, but I was pretty sad about it. I loved the garden and how all the vegetables that were growing were shaped like Mickey heads. And just like Josiah said, the detail was amazing. And it is sad that it went away. Okay, I'll let you guys recuperate and I'll talk about the next one. 
So McDonald's, I did not know this before we started talking about it, and I'm hungry, so I'm pumped. Okay, McDonald's in the parks of Walt Disney World. In 1997, McDonald's signed a contract with Walt Disney Company and their CEO, Michael Eisner. McDonald's food was sold in all four parks, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Animal Kingdom. McDonald's was sold at the Fairfax Fries at Hollywood Studios, Refreshment Port in the World Showcase at Epcot, Petrified and Restaurantosaurus at Animal Kingdom, and Frontierland Fries and the Village Fry Shop at the Magic Kingdom. The contract ran out in 2007, so by 2008, Disney had phased McDonald's out of the parks. I'm devastated. <laughs> it's a sad day, people. Well, I, I think this makes sense, though, because if you remember right, um, oh, well, you all know that Nick loves to go to that McDonald's that's now reopened. Yes, and, it's and it's huge. Amazing. Like, it's like a shopping center. It's insane. It has exercise bikes and all kinds of crazy things. If you haven't seen it, it has solar panels on top, you need to YouTube it because or just look it up. Google it. You can find it. They go there beforehand and buy like the two first, two egg McMuffins or whatever they buy or two Big Macs. They'll eat one and then put one in their backpack to eat when they get to the park so that they don't have to spend as much money. That's, you know, that is one way to save money. Let you bring food in for now anyway. And people will see them with the wrappers. Well, I think that the reason that people get confused when they see them with wrappers is they may have been at the parks when it was with McDonald's in it. That makes a lot of sense to me now. Because they would be like, people are like, where's McDonald's? They're like, oh, we brought this in with us. But I think that's the the confusion for people. Yeah. And it, I mean, from a business standpoint, it makes sense to me because McDonald's, like, even though Disney's getting some of that profit because they're, they signed the contract and they're in the park, McDonald's is so much cheaper than park food. And it's yeah. the same food that you can find like everywhere. So I see why from a Disney standpoint to make money, why they would get rid of McDonald's. Cause like McDonald's then still had a dollar menu. Obviously, it's not what it is today, but their food was so much cheaper than what Disney food is. Well, and I bet way less people would get the meal plan because yes. I know that like I love McDonald's fries. I could eat those all day, every day, along with my soft pretzels from Dumbo's. <laughs> <laughs> Just one fries in one hand, pretzel in the other. But in my mind, if I'm at Disney, I'm eating the lobster. I'm <laughs> like, I'm eating all the things that I'm not going to eat anywhere else. So I guess to me, if I wasn't on the meal plan, then McDonald's would be a good option because it is way cheaper. But being at Disney, I feel like part of the experience is the food because all the yes. food is so good. And so it, I feel like it also could have kind of had to do with that, where it's like, well, why would I get McDonald's right now if I could get that? I think personally, it would have been nice for families that like were on a budget and wanted to buy food in a park. But it's like, even though it was a McDonald's, like they bought food in the park and they got to eat it there. Like, yes. instead of having to bring their own food in, which some people do and there's no problem with it, but we're spoiled <laughs> and I like park food. Yes. Yeah. I think it really just depends on the situation. If you have a meal plan, then I wouldn't. But if I didn't have one, then I would totally get some fries. That's true. Honestly, I doubt they had the dollar menu, Kaylee, when McDonald's was in Disney World. Well, Josiah and Kaylee, this has been a lot of fun going back in time and reflecting on past Disney rides and attractions. And I know that you guys learned probably as much as I did while researching this. And I hope our listeners learn something new today, too. Be sure to join us again next week for part two of Gone But Not Forgotten. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, all you have to do is email us at mousepadespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote, contact us at yourstorytravel.com. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, and our Twitter page, Mousecapades Pod. 
Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, you too. I think it's about that time. Disney love and pixie dust. Who put the glad and gladiator? Have, Have a, a magical, magical day, day, my friends. friends.